Welcome to Dragoon Effect, an audio-only Let's Play podcast that cares about your mental health. As always, I'm your host, Ben, and our motto is, it may be terrible. But that's okay. This is a special bonus episode that is effectively the outros from 2023 just all stitched together because I started talking about games that I had played in the year. And Troy... From Troidal Power Presents, the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, had not been aware of this. So I've put them all together for him. This is also a little bit of an announcement that going forward, what I'm going to do is a little side series called For Your Consideration. It's going to be where I talk about games as I complete them instead of doing them as outros. This will allow me to do potentially more games, but also talk about them as I finish them instead of trying to go back and remember what have I talked about, what do I remember about the game. They will hopefully be a little bit more fresh in my mind. It also plays in a couple different ways. One, I want to get people to know a little bit more about games when they're thinking about what they might want to play, what might sound interesting. So it's, for your consideration, listeners, here's this game that I played. It also is like for my award show, The Dragoonies. When we talk about, like, the Oscars and all that, these production companies write into the voters or whatever, bribe them with gifts, all that jazz. They usually start with things like, for your consideration, here is Movie X. So I hope you like these little bonus episodes that'll come effectively when they come going forward. And I'll make sure I title them, For Your Consideration, Game Title. So that it's really clear what it is. For those that have been listening, you can basically skip the rest of this episode because you've heard all of this. Or, if you just want to hear them all again... Go for it. I, I don't care. I, uh, I just know that time is a very precious resource. And I wanted to give people a heads up for what this episode truly is. So that you could make your own decision on it. I suppose you can also make your own decision not to listen to the FYCs going forward. I don't care. You do you. That's what this podcast is about. Be yourself. Don't stress out about things that aren't that important. And work to be a little bit better in your mental health, which leads to being a little bit better in life. So without further ado, here are a whole bunch of games that I played and talked about this year. I've been thinking lately that I want to talk about video games more. And not like an hour or two hour long podcast like exists out there, but just kind of, here's what I've been playing, here are some of my thoughts. I really enjoy doing the Dragoonies, and I try to put every new game I've played into at least one category for nomination. I don't necessarily do that with the older games I've played for the first time. So I just want to start talking a little bit more about the games I've been playing outside of the podcast. This also helps 
potentially give an idea, once we get around to the Dragoonies, of what it is I've been playing. So what might appear on lists. Because there will be games that pop up that I didn't get around to. So we'll start off fairly simple. I finished the Platinum to God of War Ragnarok. Because the first like 15-ish hours of the 25-ish hours of the campaign, I was just kind of like, okay, I just want to see the end. I just want to see the end. And then like the last 10, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. I'm enjoying this. And so by the time I got to the end of the campaign and opened up the rest of the world, I wanted to see more and do more. And then a lot of it was just a really big collect-a-thon that took me another 15 hours that, in hindsight, I wish I had just been like, okay, I'm done with Ragnarok. I'm going to move on to something else. The other game that I played through to completion and really enjoyed is Choo Choo Charles. I played this on Steam Deck, and the controls worked perfectly. Like, I know he is planning to port this to consoles, other than like the code to get it work or whatever. I don't think he's going to have issues because the Steam Deck controls worked flawlessly. It's only about a three-hour game, but you have a train and you have to do missions and quests to get scrap to upgrade your guns or your armor or the speed that the train goes. But there is a half-spider, half-gigaton train... Something like that is the description from hell that'll pop up randomly and chase you and either kill you if you don't hide or shoot it enough in the face to fend it off. It was so much fun and there were so many little mechanics in it that were just done so well that I don't understand why they're not implemented so well in AAA games. The closed captions were a good size. The map you would like zoom out to it and zoom into it and like you could kind of see your surrounding area a little bit during that transition so it felt like you were switching between views. You could put the train in forward or reverse and switch to your map and it would just keep going. It wouldn't pause the in game which I think was a really smart design. There are some games where I think the map should pause the end game, but this is not one of them. It was about three hours to get everything, 100% the game, complete it, and I greatly, greatly enjoyed it and highly, highly recommend it. I hope you have a good day this week. I promise that I do find the Hashel voice again, and it improves, and I've got it down to memory. Sorry for all of the all over the place with it. It was like my brain could just not remember and make it happen again or figure out how I did it. In the video game world, I finished out Final Fantasy 13-2 and Final Fantasy 13-3 Lightning Returns. In Dash 2, I had fun. I didn't really know what was happening in the story, but I enjoyed my time with it. In Dash 3, it felt like they made 50% of a game. I played through all the main quests, and it has this like day cycle thing where 
the more you do, the more days you unlock in order to do things. You can go do a whole bunch of side quests that I found a lot of them be kind of meh, okay, tedious, annoying at times. Everything in the game was pretty fine. I was getting into it kind of in the middle and then the main quests end. So I jumped essentially to the last day. And at the start of the last day, in the first half, the fights are all fine. I didn't feel crazy overpowered, but I didn't feel underpowered. And then you get to the final boss, and it was like the difficulty jumped a whole bunch. And it was really annoying, and the fight took like half an hour or something like that to get through for me. And that really put a damper on it kind of ruined the game experience for me because if you have to do side quests to finish the game then they're not side quests they're checklists i'm not sure quite right what the right word is they're mandatory it's just that specific ones aren't mandatory i just felt uh, really let down by the difficulty scaling of 13-3 Hey, but that's okay. I finished a couple of RPGs. Now, Final Fantasy XV is the only mainline numbered Final Fantasy game that isn't an MMO that I haven't finished. I'm going to try to do that this year. I hope you have a great day this week, and I hope you do something positive for your mental health. In an attempt to continue the theme of partnership, I want to talk about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. A lot of people have complained about technical issues with this game. They're not egregious in my opinion. There's some pop in and pop out and some limitations to the Switch hardware. Whatever. I grew up on the Atari and the NES. That doesn't bother me. In the slightest. It's the things that were intentional. The mechanics. The story that were just huge letdowns. They did things to just drag things out unnecessarily and in unfun ways. I came up with, I think, an 18-point comparison between Pokemon Legends Arceus and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Both released in the same calendar year. Legends Arceus did just about everything way better. And it if it didn't exist, Scarlet and Violet would probably be perceived as fine. Not great, but a step towards what could be great. The idea of this open-world Pokemon game. But because Legends Arceus exists and did so many things so well in an open-world type Pokemon game, it makes Scarlet and Violet look that much worse. And that's unfortunate. Because I really like the Pokemon series. But I had to force myself to finish this one. I haven't had to force myself to finish a Pokemon game since Gen 3. Hopefully, they bounce back with the next one. Which I assume will not launch until there is like a Switch 2. Or a Super Switch or whatever they want to call it. And they'll take more advantage of the hardware. At the same time, though, 
you can tell they're going through essentially the same mistakes that almost every company that started making open world games went through. They didn't learn from 20 years of other companies, which is worrisome. Maybe they'll hire some outside people to come help with some of that for the next one. On a happier note, I played a game that I completely missed and not heard of in 2022 called Bright Memory Infinite. It's a first-person shooter that I believe was made by one person. Looks like a AAA company made it and is only about two hours long. So it didn't overstay its welcome. And it was a lot of fun. Now, I got it on sale for like $12. That's probably the right price. Because normally it is $20. But hey, money has different value to different people. And so while I really enjoyed it, I would say it's a, a monetary recommendation. Where... A limited recommendation. Let's call it that. Where... I think anyone who likes first-person shooters will have fun with it, but the cost of it is prohibitive, given how short it is. I hope you have a good day this week. We'll see you next time. This week, I'm going to talk about Super Kiwi 64. This game was $3 on Switch, and only took me about an hour to 100% it. But it is a really fun Nintendo 64-esque 3D platformer. It's like they took the games from the Nintendo 64, said, how can we make them good, and then did that. It's awesome. Also, I played River City Girls Zero. This was a game that was on the Super Nintendo in Japan and recently got a port to the Switch. And they added in this cool intro to be in vibe with the style of River City Girls 1 and 2. But then the game is still the game from back then. And I gotta say, the checkpoint system in this game, really well done. I don't know if that's because of how it was done originally, or if they made it better in this. I can't speak to that. I've never played the Japanese version. But you never seem to lose much progress if you die. So yeah, two games that I would highly recommend to most people. I hope you have a good day this week. I've got two more games to talk about this week. The first is called Bladed Fury. It's a 2D martial art beat-em-up with a hint of Metroidvania. Not much, just a little bit. It effectively takes place in an older era in China. And I don't know if it's based on a true story or myth but the art style is incredible. It looks like older Asian art from centuries ago. Like you, you've seen on wall scrolls or paintings. That's just been brought to life effectively. The short version of the story is that you are a princess. And somebody has killed your father and placed the blame on you. And so you're kind of exiled. However, you grew up learning martial arts and you effectively go to these different areas, including like the land of the dead. You fight bosses, you learn more skills, 
it was a lot of fun. The other game is called Behold the Kickmen. I'm not sure where I got this game. It just was in my Steam library. So I don't know if I got it off a bundle somewhere, or if it's a free game, or what. It's a comedy soccer game where the pitch is a circle for some reason. You get more points if you're farther away from the goal when you kick. It's an interesting concept. I played it with a small league, which I thought was the right amount to play. Because it was starting to wear out its welcome by the time I finished the story. But the campaign ended up being pretty amusing with some jokes and just a story that makes sense by not making sense. I would also recommend it. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I've got two games that were both big surprises to me and how much I enjoyed them. The first is Lollipop Chainsaw. This is a game that came out on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, where you're a high school cheerleader who's also a zombie hunter. Back when it released, I was worried that it was going to be uncouth, let's say. I recently saw a streamer that I enjoy playing it, and he mentioned how it's not actually as bad as some of the advertising of the day made it seem. I decided to play through it and had a lot of fun, and it was pretty hilarious in places. Your primary weapon is a chainsaw. Your health items? Lollipops. There are only six levels, I think? Effectively, the story is a fellow high schooler who has been bullied basically his whole life summons five demons or zombie demons from hell to take over and start infecting everybody. You run around, kill zombies in style, let's say. The other game is called The Chant. This is a new game that came out in 2022. It was on my list to get to because it looked like it was going to be interesting. I cannot believe how much I enjoyed this game. This jumped to be my third favorite horror game of all time. The game starts with your main character, Jess, having a little bit of a breakdown because her sister had died recently. I don't remember the exact time frame. She's talking to one of her good friends, Kim, who's out at this spiritual retreat on a remote island. Kim convinces Jess to come out to help relieve her mental and emotional burdens. This is not something Jess would normally get involved in, but she's struggling and willing to try something new. Once you get there, the game lets you jump basically right into the deep end. You're not some overpowered cop. Even in Resident Evil, if you only have a pistol, you're kind of a big, strong, awesome person. You're just a normal woman. You don't get guns. You piece together weapons, like burning incense. You have to navigate through different areas of this island because after the titular chant goes wrong, the other people start slowly going crazy, going insane, being possessed. And you are essentially tracking them down to try and save them. Some of it felt 
like it was a good version of a Stranger Things game. Because there's kind of these fog points that are almost like entering the upside down with these creatures that would work perfectly in the Stranger Things universe. So it's kind of cool from that perspective. There is hidden lore about the history of the island and this, for lack of a better word, cult that goes back decades. I expected to have some fun with this game. I did not expect to fall in love with this game. I've noticed already it's been going on sale. I did some looking up and it peaked on Twitch with 10 streamers and under a thousand people watching, which is a shame. I don't know if it was put into the market at a bad point in time or if the developers just weren't willing to give out a couple copies to horror streamers to promote it. I really think this is a game that somehow missed its window, but could potentially pick up a cult following if people talk about it, show it off, discuss it. So without a doubt, play the chant if you like horror games. Feel free to wait for it to go on sale. It's $40 regularly. Feel free to wait. It's about the length of a Resident Evil game, but it's an indie game. It's not a huge time investment, and I hope you'll enjoy it too. And if not, that's totally fine. You not liking something that I like, or me not liking something that you like, doesn't take away our enjoyment from each other, and I think we forget that sometimes too. I hope you have a good day this week. It's spring break time here. This time of year, my wife and I usually play a game or two together in co-op. Well, I've got a couple of them to talk about this week. The first is a game called Heavenly Bodies. I think I got this for free on PlayStation Plus at some point, because I just came across it when I was looking through my hard drive to clear out space. You play as astronauts. You can play at one or two players, but I think it's more fun to play in co-op. You're being sent out to a space station, and you have to do some various things on it, like repair some items, you know, plant some plants to do science, things like that. But it's all in zero G. So you've got to move yourself around to get from place to place. And that can be where the hilarity begins. Sometimes you'll mess up and you'll accidentally fling yourself in the wrong direction. Or you'll have an item that you're trying to do something with and you'll let go of it because you meant to stop grabbing something with your other hand. And it just goes whee down the shaft. And you have to go get it back. <laughs> it's a fine line between frustration and hilarity. But boy, if you have fun with it, instead of getting frustrated by it, you could bust a gut. My wife and I had not laughed that hard in anything for a long time. Our faces hurt. Our sides hurt. It was just... We had to pause the game at times because we were laughing so hard. We were struggling to breathe. It was wonderful. The other game we played is Untitled Goose Game. 
This is something that was popular when it came out. But when I tried it, eh, it just didn't register with me. I was looking for games that other people who had played Heavenly Bodies also played or were like it and came across that and thought, oh, that might be fun to play in with two people. Effectively, you or both of you play as a goose slash geese and you have to do various mean-hearted, maybe, let's say, missions in a few different locations. The first place you come across is a garden, and something you have to do is steal the keys from the farmer. In another area, you scare a child away, or you trick a neighbor into trimming the prize flower of their neighbor by accident. Plus, there's a dedicated honk button. I will say, it was the perfect length for us. About the time it started to get a little frustrating and annoying and tiresome is basically when we got to the end of the game. I think if there had been another area, we might have not enjoyed it as much. Once you do finish the game, you unlock a bunch of additional challenges you can do. We started it on some of them and just realized... Some of them are just too annoying or tedious, and it was, it was starting to kill the fun that we had. So we finished. We just set it down. And that's something that's okay to do in life, too. Just because something brought you joy in the past doesn't mean it still does. So you can set it down, whether that be a book you were enjoying or a show or a movie. Life's too short to force yourself to do things in your leisure time, that you aren't enjoying. It's okay to put them down and be done with them. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I'm going to talk about two games that I dropped off of and stopped playing. Because to me, they didn't earn my time. And time is one of our most precious resources. The first one is Marvel's Midnight Suns. From the 10,000-foot view, this should be just about everything I would want in a video game and be like a game-of-the-year contender for my favorite game. It's Marvel characters. It's got relationship building. It has some turn-based strategy, which I can go either way on, to be honest, that's fueled by a card mechanic that is actually way cooler than I thought it was going to be, but at the same time, gets held back by crafting. It's just... boring. Like, I played through the first chapter, or act, or whatever they called it, after, like, 20 to 25 hours, learned that there are three chapters or acts, however they're defined, and just went, I'm good. Because I was bored? Because there was just so much and not enough. The relationship building isn't satisfying. I mean, shoot, if you could smooch Blade, probably, probably would have improved the game a lot for me. But you just kind of hang out and repeat. And you go on one mission a day, and then you talk to everyone randomly or whatever. And it just was system on system of... No thanks. 
This is not as fun or as engaging as like Fire Emblem Three Houses was for this kind of stuff. The other game is Atomic Heart. This plays basically like Bioshock in an alternate timeline, 1950s sci-fi Soviet Union. Which I thought, hey, that sounds like a pretty neat premise. For the most part, I liked the gameplay of Bioshock. You're fighting robots, so it kind of does away with some of the parts of Bioshock that pull me out due to the ludonarrative dissonance. Because instead of going and slaughtering all these people, but you're okay, you're just a dude, you're fine, you're the hero. It's robots that have gone rampant. I played through the first big chunk of the game. And my understanding is there's four chunks, I think, that are similar length. And again, I, I had no motivation to keep going. There were some interesting characters, but not your character. He's really bland and I don't even remember his name. And so I just I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm just playing this to play it. So we'll move on to something else. Sometimes we need to do that in life, in things outside of video games. I hope you have a great day this week. Resident Evil 4 Remake came out just a few days ago, so I'm going to talk about a game that takes the best part of Resident Evil 4 Original and makes it a fun puzzle game. This game is called Save Room. It's only a few dollars, and it's available on a wide variety of platforms. Effectively, you get your attache case and a limited amount of space within it, and you have items that you have to get entirely into that space. It was a lot of fun. The other game I want to talk about is Injustice 2. This is the DC superhero fighting game that came out a number of years ago that I recently played through the story. It was an enjoyable story, and I like when fighting games have a fun story that lets you play through as a bunch of different characters. Because you get a feel or a taste of their fighting style, and it kind of lets you decide who you want to really dig into more to play as. I had fun. I hope you have a good day this week. This week I'm going to give a little bit of a plug for something that I have contributed to. I've played through Banjo-Kazooie and submitted recordings to the podcast The Super Switch Club. For those that don't know, this is a group of people that's open for everybody to submit to, that we play through the chosen game in chunks and submit our thoughts in audio recordings for all of them to be edited together in either an interesting or funny way. This is the fourth season of the show, and I've been on seasons two, three, and four, which were Star Fox, Echo the Dolphin, and now Banjo-Kazooie. Banjo-Kazooie was surprisingly fun. I had never played it before. It's a 3D platformer collectathon. It had some interesting ideas. In some ways, it felt like an improvement on Mario 64. And other than one particular late game setup, it was pretty enjoyable. The other game is also a bit older. It's called Mafia. 
Now, not mafia like you play in a social setting, but mafia like 1930s gangsters. I'd gotten this for free from PlayStation Plus, I believe, and just sat down and thought, you know what? It might be fun to just play as a gangster for a little bit. I figured I'd play like maybe a couple hours and get bored. But I played through the whole thing and really enjoyed it. They did something I thought was really smart. Where you can just hit a button and skip the drive to your mission. Just takes you right there. So you can cut out a lot of drive time. Which was really nice. Sometimes you have to drive because it's story critical. But for the most part, you can just get to where you're going. I thought that was really intelligent. Now, I'm going to play through Mafia 2 and 3 at some point. I had 3 also from PlayStation Plus, and 2 was on sale for under $5, so I thought, why not? I enjoyed this first one. I'll pick it up. I hope you have a great day this week. Well, I've done it. I finished Final Fantasy XV, the last numbered Final Fantasy that I had yet to play. It was... alright. I basically streamlined the story because the one time I ran off to do side stuff, I got really bored and wanted to quit. The story doesn't make a whole lot of sense, so I went and watched YouTube videos to try and clear it up. It helped, but I feel like I understand the story of the Dark Souls games better than Final Fantasy XV, even after watching these videos. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this game. It's fine. The food in it looks amazing. But it's just kind of fine. I hope you have a good day this week. I recently played through a couple of fun games. The first was Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins. Thanks to the Game Boy being on the Nintendo Switch Online now. I had this game back when I had a Game Boy, and I remember it being fun, and it was. I ran through it in like less than an hour, I don't remember, but it's pretty easy, pretty straightforward, not particularly difficult, and I realize Mario games in general don't tend to get difficult till after you beat Bowser or find the special worlds, but like, this was pretty easy, but fun. The other game is River City Girls 2. This game was great! Like, I loved River City Girls 1, but about the time I wrapped it up, I was ready to wrap it up. I was ready to kind of be done with it. But this game was roughly twice as long, and I did just about everything in it. There are... More characters you can play as because they introduce the boyfriends as playable characters whose names I always forget. There are more optional side quests. There is more personality just laden throughout. This is one of the few games that I played with listening to the sound and the music and the voices, because it was just awesome throughout. It's the way to properly do a sequel, in my mind. It took the roots, it 
gave a reason why you were set back to level one, even if you maxed out your characters on the first game. And a very logical reason. It is it a spoiler to spoil the first three minutes of a game? I don't know. I'll tell you what. After I do my sign-off, I will put the slight spoiler warning. Because I, I really love how they came up with the reasoning for your characters being level one again. And maybe you don't fall all the way to level one. Maybe you're like two or three. I don't remember. It's been a little while. The intro song to this game is wonderful. I listen to it frequently because it's both rockin' and hilarious. I hope you have a good day this week. Okay, here comes the spoiler for the first roughly three minutes of the game. You can skip this and you won't miss anything else related to this podcast. I just want to put it here so that people could freely avoid it if they wanted to. But basically, you get kicked out of school and spend two months playing video game on the couch. And so you've lost some muscle memory and technique and all that. To me, it was genius. Like, of course, if you just sat on a couch for two months, you're not going to be at the physical level that you were before. I think one of the hardest things in video games is when there's a sequel where you're picking up from the end of the previous game is explaining why you're not as powerful as you were then. Sometimes it's done well. Sometimes it's just, yep, Or I suppose if you're Metroid, it's just every single time you just lose your powers. Because reasons. But I really love the idea of just muscular atrophy. This week, I'm going to talk about a game called Elderand. It's on Switch and Steam, and I think that's the only places that it is currently. It was a really fun little Metroidvania. Took me, I think, about eight hours, something around there, to play through the whole thing. There were a bunch of fun areas to explore. The map system makes it really obvious when you've moved to a different zone. Which at first I wasn't understanding. I came across a new zone and was getting absolutely destroyed by the enemies because I was way under-leveled for where I should be. And once I started understanding the map structure a little bit better, I could figure out where I should be exploring because there were still plenty of areas for me to explore in the first zone I was in. And I had kind of stumbled into like the third or fourth zone early on. I don't really remember the story, so I wasn't driven by that, but the mechanics I thought were pretty solid. You level up. You rest at bonfires. You fight some pretty interestingly designed bosses. I had a blast. There was one key item that I just could not find or figure out how to find. Because there was these roses, essentially, that would block pathways. 
so I needed some kind of key item in order to tear them down to get past them. There must not have been anything too interesting because I was able to finish the game. I hope you have a great day this week. Recently, I replayed Final Fantasy IX through the remaster on my PlayStation 4. I don't think I've played this game in about 20 years. I remembered enjoying it, and I think I should have let that memory stay in the past. Because boy, I did not like this game. I had it ranked at like a B in the mainline series, and now it's between Final Fantasy IX and Final Fantasy XV on which is the worst game in the series. It's tough. I don't, I don't know the answer. I was just really bored with the story. It wasn't interesting. The battles were really boring, which I'm not sure how they did that. And the characters weren't particularly interesting. VV is still awesome, that's for sure, but everyone else just kind of sucks. And not in like a, oh, they're flawed humans and they're trying to come together, but just in a, I have no interest in the dynamic of these people. At all. Whatsoever. But you know, sometimes it's okay to update your reality. Sometimes you need to let go of things you were holding on to or were really driving you so that you can move forward. I hope you have a good day this week. I have two games I want to talk about this week. The first was that I played through the Tekken 7 story mode. It was... I don't even know what it was, but it made me go watch a recap of the entire storyline across all seven games because it went places. I had a bit of fun with it. I don't think I'm a Tekken player. I had Tekken 2 or 3 on the original PlayStation and played it a bunch, but I don't think it's for me or my style. I think I am mostly a Street Fighter player when it comes to fighting games. I do play some Smash Brothers and I'm pretty good at it, but I don't know. It just... Smash is kind of boring to me, and maybe some of that is the fact that I seem to exist in a place where I'm too good to play with people I know, but not good enough to really have fun on the internet. When it comes out this summer, I'm hoping to just dig into Street Fighter VI and learn a bunch of new characters and have fun with it. A lot of modes from the demo have looked really cool. And been fun. Primarily across Street Fighter, I've been a bison main. Once I learned how to do uh, charge characters. Because bison was kind of cool. Yes, I can do Ryu and Ken and pretty well with them. But I just, I feel like they're just spam characters. And they're so boring. Because it's like, oh look. They threw a fireball. Oh, look. They threw a fireball. And when they gave Bison a teleport, it made it so much easier to mess up 
Ryu and Ken players and punish them. Oh, man, that was fun. Anyways, I'm thinking I'm going to try to learn Chun-Li this time around. I know how to do all her moves, at least from Street Fighter 2. I don't think I've played her on 4 or 5. But it looks like she almost has two combat stances in this game, which that sounds interesting. And I'm sure I'll play around with a bunch of the other characters. So I'm really looking forward to Street Fighter 6. It's been a long time since I've been really excited for a fighting game. Even Street Fighter V, when it came out, I was like, eh, I just, whatever, don't really care. But six, Like, I am looking forward to it. The other game that I played quite a bit was NBA 2K23. They put a mode in this called My Eras, I think, where you can start an NBA dynasty at four different points in time. There's present day, which makes sense. There's the year before LeBron James is drafted. So I think that's the 02-03 season. Yes, because the Pistons, who are my favorite NBA team, won the 2004 NBA title. And their rookie was Darko Milicic. And that was the same class that had LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. We couldn't have gotten LeBron, but that is the only pick of what has turned out to be an incredibly stacked NBA draft that we couldn't have gotten. You can also start the year before Shaq is drafted, which I believe is the 91-92 season. Yes, that's where it is. And that's where I started, because I wanted to play with the bad boy Pistons. I couldn't prevent Jordan from ever winning a title because he won in 91 but I've played quite a few years and kept him to just that one title makes me pretty happy uh and then I think it's the year before Bird and Magic are drafted or maybe it's the year after I can't remember which it must be the year before because kind of one of the points of the different starting times is getting to draft these crazy superstar players knowing that they're gonna be great so it would make most sense if it was the year before bird and magic but i don't know how they would implement that because the celtics drafted larry bird a year before he came out of college because they could under the new rules they essentially gave up a first round pick in the 1978 draft to essentially have the zeroth pick of the 1979 draft. So they got Larry Bird by kind of working the system, and so it made the NBA change their rules, which, you know, if you can work the rules, uh, it's annoying, but at the same time, hey, it's within the rules. So that has been just a whole lot of fun. I hope you have a good day this week. This week's games are Metroid Prime Remastered, which is a game that I had never played before. But I had played Metroid Prime 3 and really enjoyed it. I thought Metroid Prime Remastered was pretty good. I could see 20 years ago how it would have blown people's minds, especially people on a GameCube. If you had a GameCube, it was generally because you were always a Nintendo person. Or at least 
that's how it seemed to me with my friends and then the people I met at college. Because I went to college in the era where it was PS2, GameCube, Xbox One, and it was towards the end of college where the other systems started coming out. I guess it was more in the middle. They just became easier to obtain, I think, towards the end of college. However, in 2023, uh, I didn't... There were a lot of things that I took umbrage with, let's say, where, yeah, 20 years ago, sure, I'm sure this was not that bad. It was fine. It was better than what had come before. But there have been so many things since then that have just improved gaming and how you telegraph things to players. There were a lot of times where it's just like, oh, I have to go back and forth and 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 back and forth. And back and forth. Which I felt was like, next to pointless. It also really emphasized in me that when it comes to Metroidvanias, the ones that lean more towards the Metroid side where you don't get experience, like there's not that RPG element, just become annoying or irritating because the 10th time I go through a room and have to fight the enemies, they've already killed a bunch and I don't get anything for it. It stinks. It's really annoying. Whereas at least in a game with the RPG elements, if I go kill a room full of low-level stuff, I'm still going to get at least a little experience, and there's at least a little benefit to it. So it's a less annoying, we'll say. This is a game that also could have benefited greatly from a fast travel system. I can't remember from 20 years ago if fast travel even existed in games. Overall, I had fun. But it's... It's one of those games... That, like Resident Evil 4, you can see how at the time it came out, it helped push things forward. But when you look back at it today, you can see how awkward things were. Because they were still learning items. They were still trying to figure things out. They were paving a road that didn't exist. And they did a great job with what they could do and what they had and what they knew. But going back to it just feels like, oh boy, this, this didn't age as well as it should have. Still a good game. I wouldn't say it's, you know, bad. I just wouldn't put it up in this 90 plus out of 100 category that I think the original lives in. The other game I played was WarioWare Inc. for the Game Boy Advance. I played this on my Switch for the Super Switch Club. It didn't take me very long, and it's just a game full of these micro games. And I... I guess I understand for people that have ADD, 
and I've talked to a couple people about this, how it's really grabs their attention because it's, it's a thing, a thing, a thing, a thing. It's, it's changing up that focus. It's changing up things. And so their, their brain is more engaged with it. And that's great. There should be games for everybody. But I think back about that and how this game also, I think is like 2003 and how this became a franchise. It's incredible to me that that happened because it must have resonated with enough people that it did well enough to spawn a sequel and a third and so on and so forth. And just looking at it, even thinking about where I was at the time when it came out, I'm surprised it did. But I am glad that it did. I hope you have a great day this week. This week, I played through Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. It was interesting, but fine for the most part. You control two brothers at the same time, one with the left stick and one with the right stick. And it takes a little getting used to, but once you get used to it, it's really easy and straightforward to maintain. Uh, the left shoulder buttons and right shoulder buttons also associate with the same brother because you have to work together to like pull and move objects or solve puzzles. And you go on kind of a nice little three, four hour adventure. The game that I spent a lot more time playing was Resident Evil 4 Remake. This game's better than Resident Evil 4, but it still suffers from a lot of the same problems. It's not a horror game. It's not an action game. It doesn't know what it wants to be. The direction isn't quite there, and so it's just kind of okay. It's fine. It's alright. I played through it six times, I think, to get the Platinum and I only really did that because I have the Platinums for 1, 2, 3, and then 5 through 8. So I suppose I should start working on getting the Platinum in 0. And at some point, I will get around to playing Code Veronica. I have not played Resident Evil Code Veronica at all, so I'm looking forward to playing it. Watch. They'll announce at Summer Games Fest that... That is the next remake, and is coming out next year, in which case I'd probably just wait for it. Or do both, then I could do a compare and contrast. We'll see. I have no idea. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I finished playing through Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. I didn't think it was quite as entertaining as the first Coffee Talk game, but it was alright. The story didn't feel quite as interesting, but it had a few moments that I thought really worked. But a lot of moments that felt like you had to have played the first game. It didn't really do a lot to suck you back into. Which is unfortunate. I also finished The Secret Season 9 game. So it's fully been played through, and I'm not going to talk about my thoughts on it here, except that... I think it's going to be a very fun season. I hope you have a good day this week. Since we're looking ahead to releases, 
now seems like the perfect time to tell you what Season 9 is going to be. It's going to be Fatal Frame 2 Crimson Butterfly. Or Butterflies. I've already forgotten the title. But, holy moly. This game is creepy and scary and awesome. So, I hope you enjoy it. It'll be interesting when I get around to editing it, what that looks like. That will start coming out in July. We've got three more episodes of The Legend of Dragoon. That'll be it. We'll have finally finished Season 8. I will probably never do a season this long again. Unless, for some reason, I get this mad itching to do a super long RPG again. But I don't think that's going to happen. At least not for a while. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I finished the game The Callisto Protocol. This is a horror game made by the original developers behind Dead Space. For some reason, because it wasn't just Dead Space, lots of people didn't like this game. And I don't understand that. I wouldn't have liked this game if it was just Dead Space. However, I really enjoyed this game. I found it to be a lot of fun. I was compelled to play through it. I don't think I ever hit a point where I was like, ah, now I'm just playing because I want to finish it and see what happens. It was, I really need to keep playing this. I'm really enjoying it. And it was basically the perfect length for it. It didn't get drawn out too much, and it stayed interesting throughout. The combat mechanics were interesting. It's effectively punch-out, combined with Dead Space-like aliens and shooting them. Like, I don't understand what people didn't like about this game. That's very confusing to me. I would definitely recommend it. And it's on sale, like, all the time. So if you like horror games and you like space and you like punch out, definitely pick up this game. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I completed a game called Ravenlock. You can find it on Xbox Game Pass. It's kind of like a beginner's action adventure combat game. And the theme is almost Alice in Wonderland-esque. It only took about 4 or 5 hours to 100%. But it was fun to do along the way. The combat is pretty basic. And there's nothing wrong with that. I watched my wife play most of it. And she seemed to have a good time. And it was the right level of combat for her. There are a number of side quests you can do. And I'm not sure if they were side quests or if it was just a series of fetch quests to different areas. But again, the whole game didn't take very long to finish. I thought it was pretty cute. I would say if you were looking for a game to play for four or five hours, you can have worse choices. I hope you have a good day this week. Thank you for listening to this season of The Dragoon Effect. It's hard to believe that it's been 26 episodes and 6 months 
We started the first Tuesday of the year, and here it is the last Tuesday of June. I hope you enjoyed this season. Next season is going to be dramatically different than this season. Like I stated previously, it's going to be Fatal Frame 2 Crimson Butterflies. It is scary, but I'm thinking it will be less scary listening to it in this format than it was for me to play it. So I hope you enjoy the journey that is Fatal Frame 2. I also hope you have a good day this week. Later today, depending on when you listen to this, Alan Wake Remastered will be free to own on the basic PlayStation Plus membership level. Whatever that's called these days. Essential, maybe? I don't remember. I can't keep track. They gave it, honestly, some bad naming conventions. I think that was a really smart move by Remedy. Put the first one out there, make it even cheaper and easier for people to access and play. Go enjoy it. I really enjoyed it when I did season one of this podcast. I am incredibly excited for Alan Wake 2, even though I know it, or at least it looks like, it's going to be quite a bit different. A lot of lessons have been learned over 13 years, and it looks pretty great. Hopefully it lives up to that. We also got a date for the Metal Gear Solid Volume 1 collection. So hopefully Metal Gear Solid 1 is going to get its own platinum trophy that's not absolutely insane to get. Because I want it. I want it really badly. But it's just yet another success story of games I've chosen for this podcast, it seems. We got an Alan Wake 2 announced. We got Hellblade Senua's Saga coming at some point. We got a nice little new trailer for that at Summer Games Fest time. Now we've got Metal Gear Solid 1 coming to modern day consoles, and I think all three of them Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. I know for sure Switch and Sony. And I assume Steam and PC as well. Legend of Dragoon made a surprise release on the PS4 and PS5 in the middle of our season for it. Clearly, somebody out there is really paying attention to us and putting out these games. I would not be surprised if at some point we see a Fatal Frame 2 on modern day consoles. As far as games I have played, I picked up the Layers of Fear remake, I think is what it was, that came out recently. Boy, I did not care for it. Like, I kept hearing how the original Layers of Fear was so awesome and great and people that said that were looking at this remake and going oh my gosh it makes it seem even better and even post release people who like the original have liked the remake but I did not it's a really boring walking simulator 
Like I was, I was so bored. I played for an hour, maybe two, and it felt like I played it for like two days straight, because it just, just drug on and on and on, and it's not for me. If you enjoy it, great, go enjoy it, but it crushed my anticipation for the Silent Hill Two remake. Especially since Bloober Team is now saying they're done with psychological horror. And having not played a Silent Hill game, and planning to in the future, what I do know about it is it's heavily psychological horror. So, like, what are they talking about? Are they going to try to turn Silent Hill 2 into Resident Evil 4 and it's an action combat horror game? Boy, I don't think people would uh, be too happy about that. But I could be wrong, because people love Resident Evil 4 for some reason that I don't understand. I also have been playing the Dead Space remake that came out at the start of this year. Boy, it's sure Dead Space 1 again. I don't know why I thought it was going to be different. I remember. Because people who like Dead Space were in love with this game. And were like, oh my gosh, Dead Space is back. And they've taken the first game and improved on it vastly. And as I've been playing it, it's like, uh, no, it's Dead Space 1. Like, I played this last year, I think, at some point. On my Xbox Series S. So it had the up of the 360 version. It looks almost the same. That up technology is amazing. And while I can notice certain parts where, yes, it clearly looks better in the remake, it almost takes away from the immersion, if that makes any sense. And I think maybe it's because horror is so much about what you bring to it and what you go through with in your mind. So the more you have to, like, think about the environment and your brain works to put it together, the scarier it is. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I went back and got the Platinum in Alan Wake Remastered. It's something I had been wanting to do. When I actually set out to do it, it wasn't too bad. I used a guide for the collectibles and some of the trophies that were a little trickier than I would like them to be, but knowing what to do made them easier. I mean, knowledge is power. It was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'd already finished it on hard, as you know, because I did the manuscript episode, and this was just cleanup. It did require me to basically play through the whole game again from start to finish which is part of why I didn't want to do it when I recorded the season I was ready to be done to move on to something new and an entire playthrough with a guide just sounded exhausted I'm glad I went back and took care of it though at this rate depending on if Metal Gear Solid gets a reasonable platinum or not. I think just Devil May Cry 3 
will be the game I don't have a platinum for that I'll have played on the show. At least as far as games that have platinum trophies go. I also played another game from the past. I picked up Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I don't know if it's called Complete Edition or what. Played through to get all the trophies except for the online ones. Uh, At some point, I will go and get them. I have a PS4 and a PS5 so I can play online with myself to pick up these trophies. Because the online is absolutely dead. It's hard for me to find somebody to coordinate with just to get these trophies. But I really enjoyed it back on Xbox 360. I started watching The Completionist and remembered, oh yeah, that game was really good. And that's what got me to pick it up and play through it. By the way, that game is really good. Really good. I hope you have a good day this week. My game this week goes really hand in hand with the intro. I have been looking forward to Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I really enjoyed Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I liked it a lot. I liked Cal Kestis a lot. I liked a lot of the characters. And I I loved how you got to go to these different worlds. And they all felt unique. Worth exploring. And full of their own story. Jedi Survivor feels like the opposite. There's one planet that's huge. And you need either new abilities or gear to go to certain places. Which, in general, is fine. But it's the only world like that. All the other worlds feel so small and... Pointless isn't quite the right word, but underdeveloped. And yeah, they have some areas where you need to come back with upgrades to access, but there doesn't feel like there's anything worthwhile in them. The story is okay. Uh, I got a funny, funny glitch in one of the cutscenes where two characters kiss, but something happened to one of them and they like sunk into the ground partially so like one was kissing the other's eyeball and the other was kissing their chin it was real funny to me i like that a lot but that wasn't intentional the the characters from the first game felt like hey remember me and not further developed i don't know it just it just didn't work for me, which stinks because I, I loved the first game. And that can happen sometimes. But I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I finished an s rank playthrough of Resident Evil Zero on normal. I then played around with Leech Hunter mode and decided I'm good. I'm just not having fun with that mode. It was fun to do the speed run 
of the game, but the Leech Hunter mode is just too annoying. And that's okay. We all have to make decisions. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I finished some games that my nephew started on my Xbox account while he was here visiting for a week. He is four, so these were children's games, but they are on Game Pass and were very useful for getting daily achievements for the extra bonus points for Bing to be able to increase my rewards. For those that don't know, Bing Rewards, and it might just be called Microsoft Rewards, is something I've been doing since 2010 and have gotten a lot of Amazon gift cards from and purchased a lot of video games for free for just spending a couple minutes a day doing these Bing searches and these Bing bonuses. I would recommend it to everyone because it's cheap and it's a great way to get some extra money. For a while, I've had Microsoft funding my PlayStation game purchases. To me, that's really funny. Anyways, I played My Friend Peppa Pig. Well, congratulations to that game. I have finally found a game worse than Halo Infinite. It is not good. Now, I've never seen the show. And from what I watched and played a little bit of, and what I've seen online, is it's like being in an episode of the show. So based on that, I don't understand why parents watch or let their children watch this show. It does not seem to have any redeeming qualities from what I can tell. When I asked my nephew about Peppa Pig, he described the show as Peppa is mean to her friends. Okay, and this is a children's show? I mean, I'm sure the idea is to learn about not being mean to your friends, but if that's the takeaway that kids are taking away, that's not good. Plus, the pig's faces are inappropriate designs. Um, and I know the artists had to have done it intentionally because of the facial hair on the father and grandfather pig. Yeah. The other game I finished up was Paw Patrol Mighty Pups Save Adventure Bay. By comparison, this was a great game. Even taken on its own merits, I thought it was pretty solid for a kid's game. It's a collect-a-thon. There's not any combat. There's some quick-time events, but it's mostly go explore the area, go to the places and push the button it tells you to push, and then collect everything in the level. Really, some good introductory collect-a-thon for children. And I had fun playing it. I have also never seen an episode of Paw Patrol, but I would be more likely to watch that than Peppa Pig, just based on these two games. I hope you have a great day this week. This week, I played through Sonic Mania. 
I really enjoy Sonic 2, and I think it's the best of the original three. A lot of people like Sonic 3 more because it introduced more stuff, but it just, a lot of it felt busy, and maybe it's because it got broken up into two games that I don't like it as much because it feels long if you play them together, but incomplete if you don't. I don't know, but Sonic 2 has just kind of been my jam. This game had me questioning if the Sonic games were ever actually good. Because there were moments that I really liked. But then, there are a lot of moments where I was like, oh, this isn't that great. So yeah, maybe Sonic has never been good. And that's why every time there's a new Sonic, people think, oh, maybe this will be the one. Still looking forward to Sonic Superstars or whatever it's called, though, so... We'll see if maybe that's the one. <laughs> I hope you have a good day this week. Well, I finally finished Yakuza Like a Dragon. And it was awesome. I bounced off of it at one point originally when I tried to play it. Because I tried to play it on Game Pass, I think was the issue. And I was like, I don't want to play this huge epic RPG on Game Pass. What if it goes off? And then I'd run out of time to buy it. Well, not buy it, play it. You know what I mean. But I had it on PlayStation because I think I got it from PlayStation Plus, And I finally sat down and really gave it a try. I ended up really loving it. It was just fantastic. Just fantastic. Ichiban is a great character. He's, he's no Kiryu. But he's still a great character in his own regard. There are some things I would do differently in the game. And maybe they'll do that in a sequel. But overall, really good. And I'll just do a quick shout out to Filthy's Ring Stings. Who are currently playing through Yakuza Like a Dragon on their podcast. Their first season was Elden Ring, which was amazing. I hope you have a great day this week. This week... I finished World Tour Mode in Street Fighter VI, and oh boy, was it fantastic. This was a great way to help people learn different characters or moves, as well as modern or classic controls. It was a fun RPG that was kind of like a light Yakuza adventure, and Yakuza is one of my favorite franchises. I guess they're like a dragon now, but that's besides the point. The credit screen roll was amazing. There were images of your character from the various videos or cutscenes that they were in, in the garb they were in at the time. That's above and beyond for anything like that. I thought that was a really cool little detail. I would highly recommend Street Fighter VI to everybody. I have absolutely fallen in love with Manon. She is a French judo ballerina. I know that sounds like a strange combination, but it's pretty awesome. I would say if you typically don't like fighting games, wait for a sale. Because the World Tour mode by itself, it's single player, and it's a mini RPG essentially, with fighting game mechanics. It's worth picking the game up on sale, even if you don't typically like fighting games. I hope you have a good day this week. Well, believe it or not, that's the canon ending to this game. And yes, my PlayStation 3 is 
clearly haunted because it has this game installed. Out of curiosity, I looked up some other endings. One is called the Hellish Abyss ending. In this ending, Say's vengeful spirit attacks Miu, who is able to defeat it with the camera obscura. However, Mayu is about to fall into the pit, and Miu drops the camera and runs and grabs her. However, Say's ghost falls in the pit. I'm not entirely sure how. Didn't see it. But Miu looks into the pit, and it blinds her for the rest of her life. Something that was kind of hinted at in the various documents that we found. Additionally, somehow, Miu and Mayu get out of the Lost Village. Which is no more. We later see the twins seated on a bench overlooking water that now covers the village. Mayu turns to Miu and tells her that it's time to go. Miu only nods in response and the twins rise to leave. Miu's eyes are now bandaged. She has been blinded from looking into the abyss. Mayu smiles, content with knowing that her sister will now be dependent on her. As the twins exit, Mayu is heard whispering, Together. Forever. <laughs> I can see how that'd be so creepy. And then the third possible ending from the PlayStation 2 version of this game. Remakes added three more endings and some more scenes, but I don't want to get into them, honestly. This one is basically that Mew runs without chasing after Mayu. So after the villagers capture Mayu, Mew does not go after her sister and instead returns to the Kuraha Shrine. Exiting through the passageway that leads out of the village, she runs down the underground path. The player is given two chances to change their mind before the video continues. As Mio escapes along the passage, she hears a voice behind her asking, Are you leaving me again? Itsuki's voice warns her not to look back, but the voice speaks again, this time sounding like Mayu and reminding Mio of their promise to stay together forever. Mio turns and sees that she is being pursued by Sei Kurosawa's ghost, who reaches out for her. Just as Sei grabs her, Mio wakes up alone in the forest, just where she and Mayu were sitting at the beginning of the game. As she sits alone in the forest, Mayu and Sei can be heard, vowing to wait for their sisters forever. Next week, we have a fun game that... I think fits the audio medium perfectly because in and of itself it's basically an audio game. I hope you tune in and enjoy it with me and I hope you have a great day this week. This week I'm going to talk about the Shantae series. This is a series by WayForward that I had never played until earlier this year. Four of the five games went on a pretty good discount on PlayStation Network, so I thought, what the heck? I'll scoop them up and try them. The first game was called Shantae Risky's Revenge, and that was the second game in the series. The original game was on the Game Boy Color, 
I have not played that one yet, but it recently came to PlayStation Network, and I'm going to pick it up at some point and play through it just out of curiosity. These games are all kind of little Metroidvanias, more like Metroid because there's not RPG elements, where you play Shantae, who is a half-genie. All of these games are a little different even though they start in the same location. The lo that location changes in every game slightly. More so than the Yakuza franchise and Camarocho. The maps are different, the areas are different, even the main town is different. And they all have little differences and tweaks within how they play or what you can do. Risky's Revenge was on the DS. And has some features like that, but you move left and right, you can find some uh, quick travel points, you jump around a lot, and your main attack is whipping your hair. I think they even refer to it as the monster whipper, which is kind of fun. She also can do dances that do magical transformations. You can turn into some different animals that have different abilities. Uh, Risky, whose full name is Risky Boots, believes herself the queen of the seven seas, and she is up to no good. Eventually, you use all of your magic and geniness, essentially, to defeat her and become fully human, I guess, by the end of the game. The sequel, or the third game in the series, is Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. And in this game, you are working with Risky Boots... Because her old pirate captain is threatening to come back from the dead or something. And you have to go to these different islands. Basically, for lack of a better word, destroy horcruxes. In this game, when you're selecting which island to go to, it does a great job of displaying kind of how much of the item percentage from that island you have gotten. And in a lot of them, you have to go get a power from a future island and come back in order to unlock everything. You know, Metroidvania style. I think they do a great job of just kind of displaying all that information. And it's a lot of fun going to the different areas, seeing the different enemies, fighting the different bosses. Come at the end, you get your powers back. For the next game, Shantae, Half-Genie Hero. This is the best of the bunch. For sure. It plays out very well. You get a bunch of transformations. I think 12. The areas are a lot of fun to explore. I got the Ultimate Edition or something to that effect. And with it came all of the DLC. Which basically took all of the, the levels and slightly remixed them in some way. Like... You play as Risky, and you're going through, and you have to fight all the bosses uh, for reasons. Uh, or you are playing as Shantae's friends, Sky, Roddy Tops, and Bolo. And you can swap them on the fly, and they have different abilities. That was a pretty cool way to play through it. There were also some other jobs, we'll say, with outfits for Shantae, like 
in one, you're a future cop, if I remember right, and you have a laser gun, and you can fly with a jetpack, maybe? In another, it's a pajama party, and you can make a cloud that's limited that you lay on, and it floats you up. And you also hit things with a pillow instead of your hair. There is a beach version that I really didn't like because you had to constantly be finding sunscreen or you would burn and start taking damage. And that was more than I could handle. But it was these interesting, fun twists on the game. The last one, and currently the most recent game, that came out in 2018 or 19, is Shantae and the Seven Sirens. And this one takes place on a completely different island. You go to this celebration that celebrates half-genie guardians from a bunch of towns all across the world. Well, to no one's surprise, based on the name of the game, there are sirens that essentially kidnap all of the half-genies except for Shantae. So you've got to go about saving them. This one is definitely the most Metroidvania setup, but because of that, it was also the least transparent. Half-Genie Hero, also every location you would go to and choose from the map, would display your percentage as well as items you hadn't got were kind of grayed out. So you didn't necessarily know what they were, it was like a question mark in a circle, but you knew, hey, there are more items here. In this one, I got a lot of stuff, but I got to the end of the game and I was like, I don't want to go through every room to figure out if I'm missing something and I have to use one of the powers I have now at the end of the game to make it appear. It really stunk that the mini-map didn't have some kind of updates to help you know if you'd gotten stuff. For things that led to a cave, it would be crossed out if you'd gotten the item inside the cave. But if you hadn't gotten the item inside of the little room on the map, you had no idea. And so it's the one game of the four where I didn't get 100% of the items. All in all, I became a really big fan of this franchise. Looking forward to trying out the Game Boy Color one, just to see how far it's come and what the first go-round was like. And I'm really hopeful that there's another one coming in the near future. I know there was talks about one that was supposed to be like a Game Boy Advance game. They're even going to print it on Game Boy Advance cartridges. I assume there'll be a digital version on current consoles. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I finished a Super Nintendo RPG called The Seventh Saga. I had never heard of this game until Bill of the RPG Years podcast stated that he had teamed up with Frost, who is a wonderful editor on the Super Switch Club podcast, also a contributor and does other things that I can't think of right now, but both good people. They teamed up to donate money to the MNDA. This is a charity focused on improving access to care, research, and campaigning for people affected by motor neuron disease. They stated they were going to donate $70, for every person in the Discord that finished this game by the end of the year. They would donate $10 
for anybody who at least got to the first rune in the game. Their goal was to hit their cap of $700. I figured what the heck, I'd give it a try. Worst case, I'd get to the first rune and realize, hey, the reason is it's a terrible game and they just wanted to make people play it and to force people to play a terrible game, they'd give money to charity. Instead, this was a lot of fun. You get a pick from one of seven different characters to start the game. As you adventure on, you eventually can pick one of them to be your party member. So that there are two of you going on this adventure. The goal is to collect these seven legendary runes and save the kingdom or something. I've forgotten now because it's been so long since the start of the game. Maybe to defeat a great evil that was coming back. I don't really remember. I just remember it was a lot of fun. You go to different places and you get runes. And once you get the rune, they all grant you some kind of special ability. The first one lets you fast travel to cities or towns that you've already been to. Fantastic! Okay. I can't think of an earlier iteration of fast travel than this that I'm aware of. So that was pretty cool. One of the runes lets you heal in battle only, and you can use it as many times as you want in battle. One of the runes increases your attack, one increases your defense, things like that. The overworld was also pretty neat. You get a mini-map, and there are little white dots moving around constantly on the mini-map. These are the random encounters. So if you're quick enough or tricky enough, you can maneuver around them and avoid them if you want. Or, you can just sit still and let them come to you. There were times where I was grinding where I would just stand one square outside of a town and just keep battling until I needed to heal. Now I just needed to move one square back. I would very much recommend this game to people that like RPGs. I played as for lack of a better word, a white mage, who I think his name was Valis or Valer or something. He was pretty fun. And then I teamed up with a demon named Wilma, I think. So we kind of complimented each other. The demon hit people really hard with its fists, and I would heal both of us or grant buffs to us. I don't want to spoil the ending. The ending definitely went to an interesting place that I was not expecting. I hope you have a good day this week. I finished up my playthrough of our Season 11 game. I'm not ready to give away what it's going to be, but I will say the story, especially in regards to artificial intelligence, might be more relevant today than when it came out. It kind of blew me away when I got to that moment in the story, part of it being that I had forgotten about it, or at least some of the details. Part of it being just how on point this game that existed before social media, before basic AIs 
And I know even ChatGPT isn't a real AI, but it's more advanced than something like Siri, which is more advanced than something like Clippy. AI could potentially be a good tool, but boy, I know people in mass. It just seems like another way to disenfranchise, disempower, and potentially destroy other people. There are AIs you can sign up for 30 bucks. With those AIs, you feed in enough voice samples, and you can get that person to say anything, anything that you want. And it flows. It's not like chunky, spliced together. Like, I want to destroy you. It just... And that's terrifying. It's part of why we have the actor strike and the writer strike going on. These people that already have so much money and are just infected by greed want to eliminate creativity by replacing people with AIs people are already frustrated with Marvel movies feeling like the same thing over and over do you really think they're gonna come to AI regurgitated stuff there are some things that sure could be great and wonderful tools in the right hands. But man, there are too many wrong hands. Too many wrong hands that have access. Or too many wrong hands that have the money to control access. That it just seems too dangerous. And this is coming from somebody who one of their top three strength finders is futurism. I guess we'll see what happens. I hope you have a great day this week. Recently, I finished Like a Dragon Ishin. This is a game that is a remake from a game that only was released in Japan. It takes characters from the Like a Dragon Yakuza franchise and fits them to this story that takes place in 19th century Japan. So they aren't the same characters, but they're the same models and they seem to at least somewhat embody the characteristics of the people that they're playing it took a few chapters for me to really get invested in the game i think it was about chapter eight where the story got its hooks on me but then it was a lot of fun up to that point i was just kind of playing and doing a bunch of side stuff and trying to figure out if I like the game or not, but then it just took off. This franchise is great. I am looking forward to playing Like a Dragon, the man who erased his name later this year, and Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth in January. I hope you have a good day this week. I finished the game Wavetail. This was a pretty neat little game. The world is flooded, and you basically run on water and it's a small little adventure game with some light combat i had a lot of fun with it i picked it up for a 
pretty reasonable price. It's been so long now, I don't remember. And it took me somewhere between four to six hours to platinum the game. If you're looking for, you know, just a little action-adventure game that's not too complex or heavy and just kind of fun, I would suggest Wavetail. I hope you have a good day this week. I finished Final Fantasy 16. This one is complicated for me. And I think I've figured out a pretty good analogy for it. It's like a candy bar. As I was playing through it, I was enjoying it. I wanted more and more and more. I needed to keep that that taste going, that adrenaline going. And it was just like bombastic and huge and awesome and cool and fun. Then I finished it. And to get the Platinum Trophy, you have to go through and beat the game on Final Fantasy mode that you unlock after finishing the game once and play through on New Game Plus. So I started that. And I put in a decent amount of time. Got, I don't know, a decent ways into the story. Maybe like 25%. And I realized it wasn't fun anymore. And I couldn't figure out why. And then it finally dawned on me. I had finished the candy bar. I had gotten the newness. I had gotten that flavor out. And going back again was like trying to eat the same candy bar again. Not like another candy bar, but the exact same candy bar that I had already eaten. And all of the flavor was gone. Maybe a better comparison is bubblegum. That first playthrough, that flavor of the gum was just impactful and high and delicious. And then I put it and set it down in the wrapper and, I don't know, days later, tried to come back and be like, Mmm, I want that taste of that gum. And then it's just nothing. It's bland. It's gone. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how I compare and how I rank this game this year. Because it's enjoyable. I think Final Fantasy fans would like it. The story was entertaining, but it wasn't momentous, maybe? I don't know. There's just something about it that I would have thought that I would just burn through the playthrough because I was having fun with the game, but I was just bored. Maybe because I wasn't unlocking new abilities, new skills. I really don't know. But I hope you have a good day this week. I hope you enjoyed Killer Frequency as much as I did. You can get everybody killed because there's a trophy for it. So I know that it's possible. I have not gone back through and played through to see what happens if you get everybody killed. But at some point I will. You can even get your character killed. Which seems pretty interesting. Recently, I finished a game called Venba. This is a game on Xbox Game Pass where you are a family of immigrants from India, or at least that area, to Canada in the 1980s. 
The game revolves around cooking some traditional foods. And it's fairly easy mini-games for the most part. Sometimes you have to figure out the instructions, which was a neat little puzzle. But it also tells the story of this family and what they're going through moving to a foreign country that speaks a different language, trying to raise their child in it, and giving them at least some of their heritage, but also the struggles that they're going through because they just want to fit in at school. It didn't take very long, but it was quite enjoyable and really interesting. There are not enough games like this that tell these stories. And I don't know if it's possible to have enough of those, but I I would gladly play more of them. I love seeing these different perspectives because they help us to empathize. They help us to understand. They help us be more human and humane. I would... I would strongly suggest it. I hope you have a good day this week, and we'll see you next week with Season 11, Metal Gear Solid 2. I want to talk about the game Wild Guns. It's available on the Switch Online thing, and was a Super Nintendo game. You control your choice of Clint or Anne, And you move back and forth and shoot things a whole bunch. I had a lot of fun with this game. And if you want to hear more details, the Super Switch Club podcast did this game as a speedrun one-off episode that I participated in. So you can listen to my further thoughts as well as the thoughts of others. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I finished a game called The Adventures of Chris. It's an interesting platform fighting thing. Not like a Smash Brothers platforming fighter, but kind of like a Mega Man. And you get balloon powers. I don't know, it was fun. It was kind of like a throwback to like, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo platformers that as a kind of nonsensical story, but... I enjoyed it. I hope you have a good day this week. I played through a game called Growing Up that is available on Steam and apparently also iPhones. I played it on my Steam Deck. You start as a baby and you can choose your sex or you can just let the game choose for you. And you essentially... You have to do skills and learn abilities from now till you graduate from high school. You can interact with other people. And it was interesting and neat with some fun little mini-games and things to do. And I quite enjoyed it. There is a character that is not a good person to be around. And there is another character who turns out to be pretty freaking awesome if you invest the time. And then there are other characters too. So if you're looking for a visual novel 
with what's called RPG elements and little puzzle mini-games, growing up was a pretty good time. I hope you have a good day this week. I finished the game Sea of Stars, including the true ending. This game is a classic SNES-style, Chrono Trigger-style JRPG. But unlike Chrono Trigger, it's way easier to avoid random encounters if you want. This game was pretty amazing. The story is really interesting. There are characters like Garl, who you will absolutely fall in love with. There are happy moments, sad moments, adventurous moments. It's basically got it all. And I highly, highly recommend Sea of Stars. It's got an interesting battle system where monsters will have symbols above their head and you have so many turns to knock them all out um, things like a sword or a poison which means you got to hit them with that type of move and some moves will do sword and poison so that'll take out two locks and one and some moves you can do multiple times in a turn so that can take out like three suns in a turn and if you take them all out it kind of stun locks them a little bit which is pretty cool I hope you have a great day this week. This week, I completed a game called Grease. G-R-I-S. This game is full of style in that it's almost like a watercolor painting made into a video game. And throughout it, you deal with, I think, various stages of grief and acceptance. With each one, you bring color back into this world. But, with each color, also adds a new mechanic of some sort. It's quite interesting. It's not quite a puzzle platformer, but in a way it is. And it's just a chill, enjoyable experience. I hope you have a good day this week. I finished Dead Island 2. I kind of liked the first one. I played it for a bit and kind of got bored. But then I was randomly put into an online match match isn't quite the right word co-op with somebody and they gave me a glitched gun that had like infinite ammo and power and it made the game way more fun and i wasn't going to play the second one because people are saying it looked super generic played super generic whatever and then this twitch streamer that i like called it's spinachi was playing dead island 2 and just having a lot of fun with it and so i ended up picking it up on sale and i gotta say I had a ton of fun with it. Is it a great game? Probably not. But I played through the whole thing and just had a ball the whole way. It has probably the best dropkick in any video game I've ever played. It feels so good to just run, full sprint at a zombie, jump, and dropkick them. And they just go flying. Ugh. I... I recommend it for the right price because there's a lot of fun to be had. But it's not like a greatest game of all time game. I don't know how to better classify it. But basically, for those that don't know, you are in LA in this game. 
that's not an island, but you know what? Who cares? And there's zombies everywhere, and you're immune! And so you go around doing quests and trying to find a way for the survivors you're with who are not immune to escape. That's what the plot was. I kind of forgot it because I was just having fun running around and killing zombies for like 20, 25 hours, however long I played it. I have not tried to play it online in co-op yet, but that is an option. That might be even more fun. So if it ends up being cheap at some point and you want to play it with some friends, I don't know how many you can have online at once. Pick it up for your group. Or have convince your group to pick it up. Because it's it's a blast. I hope you have a good day this week. This week, I played a fun little shooting platformer called Super Cat Boy. You are a humanoid cat. I can't think of that word. What's that word? One thing is anthropomorphized cat. That's the word. And you are kind of rescued by someone named Weapon Girl. You are trying to get revenge or something on the scientists who did experiments to you. I don't remember the plot anymore. There's not a lot of plot. You run, you shoot things, you have boss fights. It's fun. It was on Steam. I've got a few games to talk about this week. The first is called Slay the Princess. It's a funny, but also semi-serious visual novel where you just kind of spawn into existence and the narrator tells you you have to go to the shack in the woods and slay the princess. There's a whole bunch of different ways that things can play out, and I had a lot of fun with it. I would highly recommend it. I also finished Thirsty Suitors. This is a game where you play a main character, Jala, who comes back home after three years away, I think it was. And she's broken up with her girlfriend, or her girlfriend broke up with her, I guess. And it's kind of like Scott Pilgrim meets Tony Hawk. In that the your exes growing up kind of get together and you end up reconciling with them. You also have turn-based combat with the button prompt as you hit somebody to do extra damage feature. So kind of some Mario and Luigi in there. And it's cel-shaded. And it's just absolutely dripping with style. It's a really wonderful adventure that I'm so glad I played. And it gave me this really interesting perspective. And finally, I finished Octopath Traveler 2. It's a very long game. And it's really annoying sometimes. Because the bosses are poorly designed. You can be managing them, and then they can just all of a sudden get three moves in a row and wipe your whole party. It's annoying. It's super annoying. And the end bosses, you have to have all of your team basically leveled up. But, oh, you can only level up the four people in your party. And so you just grind and grind and grind and grind. And I was really enjoying it until I hit one boss at the end of one of the eight stories that just flattened me. So I did. I went and did all the other stories. And when I came back to it, I was able to beat it fairly easily. So I was like, okay, maybe I was just underleveled. Went, then went to finish the story, and it was just like, oh my gosh. 
Now I have to grind up the other four people. And that's that's just bad game design. If you need to have all your characters leveled, then just let them all be leveled together. Do it Chrono Cross style. Where everybody has the same experience. So you get a new person in your party, boom, they're the exact same level of everybody else. Man, Chrono Cross had some really smart design in that. And I don't know why more games aren't doing that. Because it's so annoying to have to go grind out a character. And it's so annoying to get a new character who's under-leveled compared to the rest of your team. It's like, well, why would I use this character? They're very under-leveled. And yes, they have their individual stories that you have to use them in, and you can use your three other strongest people to just power them through. Usually... Some of the characters have abilities where they go into one-on-one battles. And it's like, well, what the truck? So yeah, don't play Octopath Traveler 2. It's good, but it's annoying, and it's long. There's so many better things you can be playing. And I kind of regret it, though I'm kind of glad I played it. It's a weird place to exist in, and just don't get it. I hope you have a good day this week. We got some more games to talk about this week. I finished Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name. And oh boy. If you play the Yakuza slash Like a Dragon franchise and have played most or all of them, oh, that ending is going to wreck you harder than Yakuza 6 did. Oh man, I was in tears for so long. The game itself goes back to the beat-em-up style. Uh, The story was okay, I thought. The side activities were okay. It wasn't the best, but it was also a short one. It's cheaper. It's on Game Pass, though, as well. You get to play as Kiryu. He gets a new uh, style that was kind of fun, called Agent, because you get some gadgets. That was kind of neat. I also played a really cute game called Frog Detective, where you are a frog detective, and you have to go to places where you're hired to solve some mysteries, and it's got some fun humor that's cute, it's got some mysteries that aren't too difficult to solve, and it's a pretty enjoyable time. Uh, We finished Super Mario Wonder, my wife and I. We did effectively everything in the game. We got all of the uh, royal seeds. No, wonder seeds. They're also royal seeds, but those you need to do the story. We got all the ten flower coins, and we were looking it up online because there was a badge that we couldn't figure out how to get. And it's like, well, you also have to get to the top of every single flagpole. And we were just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go play through everything again just to hit the top of flagpoles. I might do that because supposedly it unlocks a new super challenge level called like the final final test. But I also might just be done. It's not a great Mario. The levels are so short and small and feel like there are even less secrets than Mario 3 within them. There are some fun ideas. There's this badge system where you can essentially equip an ability, but, like, 
you can only equip one, which stinks. Like, I understand only equipping one badge that gives a ability press to the R button. Or heck, even one that gives you an ability. Because, like, you can get the Super Mario Brothers 2 Super Jump. And if I had to choose between that and the gliding hat and the other, and some other things, even though they aren't all on R, that I'd be okay with. But, like, let me have the gliding hat and... Let me put on like the pass uh, a passive badge, like one that's all power ups are. This power up is a badge, but it's just one badge, and it's like, well, why would I not use the most useful badge? So that seemed like an interesting choice. It's again, it's okay. I. There are so many better 2D Mario games. Like, so many better 2D Mario games. But you get to play as Daisy, or you can play as one of a different color Yoshi. I think there's like four of them, or Nabbit. But if you're Yoshi or Nabbit, you can't use any of the power-ups. But you're invincible. And if you're Yoshi, people can ride on you. And it's just, I get it, but I don't get it. Like, if you want to put in a mode where, like, you can play with anybody... So, like, somebody who's not very good isn't going to die. Just let me put that mode on whatever character they want to be. Because if they want to be Luigi, let them be Luigi and just can't die. Don't make them have to be Yoshi. And then they're like, I don't want to be Yoshi. And then they don't play anymore. And then finally I played Castlevania Legends on the Nintendo Switch Online. It's a Game Boy Castlevania that I guess is no longer canon, but it should be. Because it's about the very first Belmont. And it's a woman. And I've forgotten her name and I feel terrible for that. But it's like, come on. I guess technically not the first Belmont. The first Vampire Hunter Belmont. And for a Game Boy Castlevania game, it's pretty good. But like, why did they go and make it not canon? And then they made um, the PS2 game, Lament of Innocence, the first origin of the belmont clan as vampire hunters with a dude like i love the idea of it being a woman watching castlevania nocturne it starts with uh trevor trevor belmont's mother as a vampire hunter being awesome where's her video game let me go beat up some people as her she's awesome way cooler than trevor no, not Trevor. Richter. Richter. Yes, Richter. Because Richter's in Sympathy and Night. And that is... No. Yes. And because Maria's in it. So it's got to be Richter. Not Trevor. Trevor is Castlevania 3. With Alucard and the woman. And that the first four seasons of just Castlevania, the anime, were... I hope you have a good day this week.